named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast, episode 142. Sam has been moaning about the weather in Australia, so as you start to listen to this podcast, please feel sorry for him. How are you, my friend? Is it still raining? G'day, Mark. Hello, listeners. It is still raining. We're, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on, but uh, for the large majority of time I've spent out here this year, it has rained every single day, which is not <laughs> what I signed up for. Um, and I keep getting all these like beautiful images of like skies, clear blue skies, and England, like that lovely soft blue golf course is in full bloom. And it's just, it is what it is, you know? I think it's exactly the same temperature here as it is there today, which is just depressing. Yeah, you're not going to get any sympathy from uh, a northern, <laughs> northern lad here, mate, I'm afraid. You told me that it was cold and it was 15 degrees, which I'm thinking, actually, that's pretty warm. Anyway, um, we talked last week about the perfect day in estate agency. So we said that we'd, we'd talk about that a little bit in the intro today. So what, in your opinion, is the perfect day in estate agency? Good question. It's almost as if that was something that I would have asked you. Um, <laughs> my, mine, mine's, mine's pretty simple. Um, and if you think about what are the core activities of an estate agent, right? So it's prospecting, listing, negotiating, as far as I'm concerned, right? It's got to combine those three, ideally in that order. So mornings in the office, afternoons in the market. I love that saying I'm making, last week. Yeah, I'm, I'm making sure that... and. It, to be honest, it's no different in business, right? Your job is to like service your clients and find new ones. And that's a cycle that repeats over and over and over and over again. So I'm getting in nice and early. I'm talking to my current sellers or my current landlords. I'm giving them an update, even if there's no update on what's happening in their world because it's important to them. So it's important to me. Yeah. Then I'm looking at who are the warmest people that I can possibly speak to, to give them some kind of information that's going to help them make a decision right? Your neighbors have just listed. We've just sold one around the corner from you. You know, interest rates have gone up. What does that mean for the value of your house? You know, there's probably only at any one time in any one month, there's probably only 20 to 25 people in that list. Mm. And I'm calling them two or three times a week. Right. And I'm making sure they know, do you want me to keep up these updates? Because if they say no, they're off that list and they go back into the more top pond stuff that's automated, not that one-to-one person interaction. And the afternoon is spent following people up who've seen houses that they want to live in. And if I'm not getting offers, I'm getting feedback. And that feedback goes straight back to the seller the next morning when I'm driving to work. They saw it yesterday. They didn't want to buy it. This is why. And be as brutal and as direct as I possibly can. If they do want to buy it, it's taking that offer and asking them why it's so cheap. (laughs) Every single time. Uh, And then ideally, a couple of vowels, a couple of market appraisals, whatever you want to call them in there as well. And asking them, you know, are you comfortable and confident in my ability to do the job for you? Yes or no? That to me is perfect in real estate. Nice. I feel, I feel like you should get back out and get back on the saddle. I'd love to sit in someone's <laughs> living room and see if, if I'm any good. 
Oh, we've said that before, yeah. You can come with me yeah. if you want. Yeah. It's only a 17,000 kilometre trip at the moment, but I'll <laughs> probably be there for Thursday. <laughs> Best get some Pam's book for Thursday then. Yeah. <laughs> what about yours? So I've got a slightly different approach to this. And I thought when we talked about it um, last week, this, this might sound like a bit of a um, cop-out, but I think it's so... We were, I've worked with our business coach to, to design um, what he calls our high-performance week. So it changes day-to-day. But my, the design of my high-performance week, which I target myself against and measure myself against each week, is done by um, putting together five buckets. So where we put in certain time whereby you know, one of the buckets is appointments, one of the buckets is prospecting, one of the buckets is burn time, one of the buckets is working on the business, and the other one is me, personal growth, this podcast, picking the boys up from school, that, that sort of thing. So my ideal day in real estate is closely related to how closely I hit my designed week. So, so my high performance week for today, for example, is we do the podcast, we'll go into our uh, team weekly meeting, uh, performance review one-to-one. We'll have an hour and a half of burn time, which is answering emails, doing brochures, doing sales letters, if that sort of thing is, is relevant. Um, potential buyer contact in the afternoon before appointments and I'll pick the boys up from school. Um, sort of five, five, five o'clock time. So, but that's just one day. Each day is different. And I designed my week by looking at how much time I need to spend in each bucket. So to hit my targets, how much time do I need to spend prospecting? How much time do I need to spend on appointments? And I've designed my week there. So I think that each individual person's perfect day in real estate should be closely aligned to their perfect week um now it might be as simple as ones in the office afternoons in in the market um, but it depends i think probably what your role is within the business whether you're a sales negotiator whether you're a list or whether you're a managing leader whatever that might be um but i think you've got to live to that set schedule because it's really easy in this business to let business and clients dictate your time and you get pulled from pillar to post and you never get anything done so I think that's really important. And until you do stick to that schedule for a like a reasonable period of time, you're always and, and this is a natural feeling for anyone who's just starting out, one of these like ideal day things. You think, shit, I've got to reply to that email, I've got to do that, yeah. I've got to do this now. And it feels really uncomfortable. But I promise you, it's all okay. Yeah. And it will be all okay. And you'll end up with more inquiry, more business, more qualified conversations, probably some more money yeah. as well if you stick to that structure that works for you consistently over time. Yeah, absolutely. So on that note, let's dive in and introduce this guest. It's a big welcome back to today's guest and friend of the show who joins us for his second shot at answering, as he calls it, our killer question. He runs a go-to group, but he runs in his spare time and he looks better after 10K than he does before it. He's here to talk about a a great initiative happening amongst the industry now to support the tragedy that's happening over in Ukraine. Alex Willis, welcome back to the World Class Agency podcast. Hello, Sam. Hello, Mark. Delighted to be back for the sequel. Good to see you both. Thanks, thanks very much for joining us, Alex. And that, I, I can certainly quantify. I don't know how you look that good after a 10K. But anyway, second time around, more than a year on from, from the last answer. Uh, let's start with that killer question. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you now, 10th of May 2022? Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of think back, I think, in, quite honestly, the first time you asked me this, 
I had forgotten that this was a question you asked. So my answer was still, you know, I look back on it, it was relevant and I still stand, stand true to the words that were said, but this gave me a little bit more time to think about what I would say this time around. So I think ultimately it's creating an environment which brings out the best in yourself and others. So, you know, ultimately understanding the needs, wants and motivation of your staff, customers and potential customers on an individual basis. And ultimately I believe that's the key to success in any interaction. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's from looking at it from a, I suppose, a, even me running a sales team, a leader perspective within a business and then for any interactions people might have with external clients or, or sort of consumers, I suppose. I'm, uh, I'm really interested in, in, in that. I couldn't write quite as fast as you were talking there, but I got the first bit, which was um, that environment that brings out the best, not only in yourself, but the best in others. So um, just before we, we go in and talk about charity and fundraising, can you talk us through that in a little, little bit more and give us a few ideas about how you try and create an environment that allows others to thrive? Of course. Um, I... I sort of, when I do a presentation now, the first, well, the second slide is around sort of background hobbies, things like that. And one of the things I talk about now is my interest, almost obsession in psychology and human behaviour. I just find it absolutely fascinating and really sort of that's a lot of my, my reading and understanding people and situations. So if I look at it from a team basis, I suppose a lot of what I've done over the last 12 months with the team is, um, you know, the first task I'll do with them is uh, ask about them you know, about you, talk about your background, your family. So that's something I ask for them to write down and send over as a document. Um, and that, you know, you leave it quite open-ended purposely and the detail that people go into is, is, is really staggering, but really helpful in terms of understanding people a bit better. Um, and then a question around sort of what, what motivates people to get up each day and show up. I think it's really important to understand what the motivation is behind their desire to work and ultimately, if I'm talking about salespeople, their motivation will generally lean itself towards money at some point in that conversation. Um, but the bit I think I've learned, you know, from from help, I, I see someone once a week who's been an absolute game changer for me um, in terms of how I think about things and how I interact with people. You know, the, the way I, I would have left it at money and thought, yeah, money, fair enough, let's try and get you more money. Um, but the next question that I now ask is, um, you know, what does money allow you to do? What does that, what does that money allow you to go and do in your personal life? What, why is it important to you? And I think that then allows you to reverse, reverse engineer targets based off their motivations and what they want from that money. You know, I know, for example, one of my team wants to go to see family in South Africa at the end of the year. You know, how much does that trip cost? What money would you need to go there? And then ultimately, let's reverse engineer what you need to achieve within the business to earn that bonus to be able to go and do it. So I think, you know, that gives you anchors and allows people to visualize why they do things, because ultimately they're working towards that target that they've set themselves. So I think from a team perspective, that's just been a fascinating journey over the last sort of 12 months, 12 to 15 months for me. Um, and, and even personally, just being able to reverse engineer targets and goals over a one three five year period where where do i want to be what does the money allow me to do for my family for for me personally as well can i ask a question on on, on performance because i think that's a really um a really valid point that you make and often um people will shy away from talking about 
if money is a motivator for them, because I think sometimes money seems to be a dirty word or you think, you know, mm. we talk a lot on this show about core values, living to your values, all that sort of stuff. Um, and on the surface of it, that sort of uh, mentality and then being motivated by money maybe appear to clash. Um, but actually, I, it, you know, money's a tool at the end of the day. And, and I think you're right by asking that deeper question of what are you going to use it for? I got asked that question once. My answer was security. So, you know, I do better work when I'm not thinking about how much money I'm going to make. Um, and, and guy who used to sit on our board at Home Search, um, who's sort of one of the ex sort of financial controllers of British land, once said to me, he's like, if, if people are ever thinking about money, they're never even going to be 50% of what they could be for themselves or for the business. So he's like, you, you've got to make sure that everybody is at the very least comfortable. And he's like, but not too comfy, because then you yeah. might get <laughs> He's like, it's a fine line. And he's like, trust me, as somebody who's been balancing budgets for 45 years, it's a very fine line. But my, my question to you, I guess, is you have this conversation. You've got people that buy into it. There's every chance that you may have people who don't buy into it as well. Um, Mark and I were having a conversation off air about um, how the market's sort of changing, what challenges may lie ahead, how people are probably the biggest asset in, in a changing market. And you've got to be making sure you're supporting them to get the most out of them. If you've gone through this process with somebody, you've understood their motivations, you're doing everything you can to create an environment for them to thrive and you're not really seeing those results. And I think this is a, like not what we plan to talk about, but a really important thing to speak, yeah. particularly for our listeners who are business owners, people in leadership positions themselves. How do you have that conversation with somebody? How do you say to them, what are we doing? Yeah, uh, I mean, the... I spoke at the start in the world class, a world class sort of sentence around creating an environment, creating a culture for, a, you know, ultimately allowing people to, to work to optimal performance. You know, you're giving them the tools, the support, you're being equal with that support to give them the chances to deliver, I suppose, um, I would hope. Uh, so if for whatever reason they're not, you know, it's not coming out the other side, so to speak, then, you know, I think it's all about communicating and, and trying to, you know, you can generally see flags a bit earlier than, mm. you know, earlier in the process. And it's about spotting that and speaking to people on an individual basis, checking in, making sure they're OK. Just, you know, there's nothing else you should know about outside of that working environment. I think generally, you know, I've been quite fortunate with people that we've hired or I've worked with. No one, you know, not many people want to do a bad job or don't want to perform. So I think there's always a reason behind it. And, and ultimately, if it's knowledge, if it's, you know, if it's the quality of what they're doing, then that's something that you can try and work with them on. But, you know, ultimately, there's, I've often found it's, a, you know, may, maybe their values aren't quite with the culture that we're trying to harvest. So I think, you know, one that the top characteristic I now look for for people coming in is, is, is positivity. And I know it's hard to define that over a sort of seeing someone for the first time, but now generally try and see people two or three times before bringing them in just to get a bit of a feel for, you know, how they answer certain questions. Are they a, a sort of, I suppose, a growth mindset person where they see the opportunity and things and they're very positive about situations, about a can-do attitude. I think, you know, the, the ones where I've had to have those kind of conversations have been with people who you're just trying to force into being someone they're not you know they're not naturally that person or you know I think generally people that have been 
we, we, we try and hire a little bit more sort of outside of industry or promote from within from a sort of more junior level because first of all they're coachable but you know they're not type of people that will be like this is the way it's always been done and, and just revert to how, how they you know their comfort zone I suppose in terms of how they've operated before um so yeah I mean I, I don't know if I've really answered that too well to be fair but I, I suppose communicating it it's about seeing it early and having a conversation to try and intervene and just see if there's anything you can help with them to get them back to that performance before it's too late you know you don't want to be going straight into sort of realizing they've been underperforming for two or three months and then have to go into sort of a disciplinary or something like that straight away I think that's the, that was the key point um, for me uh, at the end there is if you're taking the time to talk to them about what motivates them and their goals and then the next time you speak to them is about, mm. well, you haven't hit you know our goals, so you're not going to hit yours, sorry, but you, you've not, yeah. again, shown that care to say, remember we spoke about this? Uh, uh, you know, Is the activity in line with making sure that we actually hit that goal? You, you're a guy from South Africa, right? Do you really want to go home? It, you know, not to say that he's poor for him, I'm sure he's not, but I think you're right. It, if you if you have those conversations about the positive stuff early, then you've got to have conversations often, either about good or bad along the way. And, and as you say, Alex, they self-correct mm. or it's not the right home for them. And both of those things are positive for the individual yeah. and the business. Well, I think we, we hired a you know a few people at once at the start of last year so January 21 and I sort of took it to almost the extreme of, of putting in contact time with people on probably a, a too high a frequency mm. you know two sales team meetings a month and then on the other weeks where we didn't have a sales meeting it was a one-to-one with each individual and I suppose that was almost like you know in my mind it was let's communicate we'll speak and, and I'll, I'll have that contact time with you but you need to almost spot it, you know, when it's happening rather yeah. than just at the time that's worked for your diaries, I suppose, and just sort of feel that, you know, you can catch it at that point. So came away from that a little bit, but just maybe trying to spend a bit more time within within the group without just sort of packing your diary with eight or nine Zoom slash team meetings during the day. So you, you don't just sort of operate as a head down approach <laughs> each day you're in the office. You know, you can keep your head above the parapet and see what's going on a little bit. That's a hell of a piece of advice right there. <laughs> it's hard. It is hard, though. <laughs> That's very true. Right. Let's talk about uh, what we're here to talk about. So 100 miles in May, year, second year we've done this, right? I say we, you yeah. know, it's the 10th of May and I haven't run a single K yet. Uh, but <laughs> I'll get it done. Still, Don't worry. Still confident. It's, it's yeah, the pressure. You'll get to the end. You'll get it done. Even though I've got to go for a walk. He's moaning because it's raining, which, you know, he's in Australia, it's raining. What a terrible thing, poor lad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, so it's... Yeah. Uh, walk us, through, yeah, walk us through what this is all about, Alex, and, and how anyone listening can either join or support. Yeah, so I suppose the, the, the first time I, I, I sort of was involved in something like this was in January of 2021, where Piger and Crone put together a sort of physical challenge that was there to, to raise money for the British Heart Foundation. And it was a similar thing. It was from Boxing Day through to the end of January, 100 kilometres or walk or cycle. Um, and I suppose at the start of that year, you know, you have Christmas, you come in a little bit jaded. And, and most people, you know, 
a sort of carry that weight for a little bit longer you know it's, it's sort of you get into the year and you're not feeling great and it's sort of you you realize you need to do something in march and april when you suddenly got your summer holiday booked in and you get the the, the body fear um so like that was a bit of an inspiration for it but then in sort of april time i was speaking to people sort of you know who had maybe struggled a bit within the pandemic and and you know a couple of people i'm close with that had had mental health issues or people close to them that had really struggled so the the vehicle that time was sort of the, the charity but also using exercise as the vehicle to raise money and so you know physically mentally by doing that exercise people feel healthier and and, and hopefully have a you know a feel good factor going into sort of the warmer months a little bit so you know that, that there was a really good story behind it and, and reason for doing it and yeah it was just it was amazing just the power of getting you know some brilliant people both of you guys people from the industry in a in a whatsapp group and you know the activity people post suddenly make you lace up your shoes when you wouldn't have done if it was just yourself um it, it, it was just a, a really great month really enjoyed it and i think you know I'd, I'd like to think that a lot of people felt fitter and better and you know felt you know great after after may last year and you know sort of it moves on 10 11 months and a couple of the people who did it last year got in touch sort of start of april and was like are you you know are we doing anything again this may you know sort of wanted to to reignite it and no it was nice because it it had been a good thing and people obviously remembered it as sort of a line in the sand within the year of okay may's a time where we can do something collective as a group so i suppose it was more looking around at the world at the time and thinking okay what's 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 really relevant important and you know at the end of the day the sort of mental health aspect and obviously seeing mental health week at the moment would have been a very important cause to just continue to support and continue to raise money for each year but i think we we sort of had a moment in time in terms of what's going on in ukraine where you know it was obviously a different different slant on it but very you know incredibly important you know ultimately saving people's lives and giving people comfort at a time where their worlds have been torn apart literally so i'd had a couple of people again say you know why not do it for that so it just cemented that thought process where we we sort of raised the money for ukraine this year and try and help people so yeah that's that was the motivation behind it but again the exercise the camaraderie the sort of way the group have interacted has been just phenomenal and we've got some new people in the group who are messaging me saying wow it's you know i just want to go out you know all the time i just feel great at the moment so that 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 for me is just an incredibly important thing at the moment you know re really enjoying it hold well, on man i think from 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 the two of us you know and everybody listening it, it is something that's it feels very privileged to be a part of it even when you might not be going for the runs for the first few days uh like you want to reading those messages participating in that group you know you talked about what do you look for in somebody when you want to hire them and you said positivity that it is a wealth of positivity within that group of, of people who are getting out of their comfort zone again. You know, there are a few people there that haven't gone for a run since last May, but they're picking it up again um, because they want to do some good for themselves and, and you know, for the world, for the parts of the world that really need it. So it's really admirable. And I think, you know, well done. Thank you very much. I mean, it's, it's I'm very aware there's a lot of charity challenges going on, you know, more and more each year and especially crossing over with what we're doing. So, you know you know this this is obviously a slightly different reason we're raising money for so you know i appreciate people will be asking for money left right and center but 
just to put it in context, uh, you know, £30 would secure important hygiene supplies for, for three people. £50 secures blankets for, you know, to keep four families warm. And £100 uh, secures emergency food for two families for one month. So, you know, we've already raised, well, we're coming up to about £2,000 for the group. So if you work backwards from that, you know, obviously, as I said earlier, love a reverse engineer. You can you can work out how important each pound is towards you know helping people over there. So I would just say even if it's you know pound five pound ten pound, it really does go quite far. Yeah, and out from you know, Sam Sam said thanks for um, you know setting it up and what have you from being involved last year and then being involved again this year. I've um, encouraged some of our team members to be involved as well because I think that positive that positivity part of it like you said that group accountability that when you see somebody post that they've been out this morning and you've you know not put your trainers on yet it is it is so so effective in many ways it is you know quite simple you just put a load of people in the group together and they they make each other better and I, I just I would just say if you know if you've not been in if you've not been involved yet to this point but you're thinking about getting involved jump in get involved um and you know if you if you think oh it's too late it's definitely not too late um to get involved and and enjoy that and then get involved again next year because i think that positivity that you talked about and that positive outlook can have such a big effect you know particularly the sun's coming out you're talking about that body fear as the summer holidays are coming and, and what have you um yeah i just think it's fantastic that that group accountability can you know people that don't know each other can work together to push each other to um, to improve, you talked about creating that environment right at the start about getting the best out of yourself, getting the best out of others. That group, from a fitness perspective, definitely is doing that. And you, you know, you, what you've done in getting your team involved has been been fantastic. You know, so they're posting videos. I'm sure that it will relate. You know, over the next few weeks to to sort of in, into the business. You know, you might get a few marginal gains just from them feeling better about themselves. So, you know, I, I think it, it doesn't have to be. You know, you don't have to impress people with you know your, your physical ability or smashing through pbs and stuff like that i mean we've got people in the group that are using it as a way to to almost rehab you know they've they've been out for a few months with injuries or you know they're coming back from a, a, an injury and it's just a way for them to be active and just use that motivation to get back you know into that zone where otherwise they might have sat there and just feel sorry for themselves so yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure we're going, to, we're going to talk about you and go to, I'm sure you're going to get some of that positivity as well. So let's talk about agency um, for, for a little minute. Let's, let's segue into that. You obviously deal with all the referral side of, of the business and you'll know in recent months, there's been a lot of chat and criticism about some agents um, forcing buyers and sellers to use their preferred mortgage broker or their preferred solicitor. It's been, you know, it's been in the news and what have you. And they've made that kind of tie it into a sale, which obviously is wrong. How, as being involved in that referral business, how does that make you feel? And how can agents handle those situations better, but then not lose the added revenue stream that they bring? Yeah, great question. And it's it's sort of becoming more and more pertinent, you know, with, with agents I speak with. So, you know, obviously within, you know, you had the stamp duty period, the COVID period where, you know, people that might have historically you know, forced the provider down a client's throat or said, you're not, you know, we're not verifying your offer unless that this happens or you must go with my solicitor. Otherwise, you know, for, for whatever reason. So, you know, with the fact that, you know, quite rightly service levels might've been affected because of different feelings, people are generally coming away from it and thinking, you know, maybe they might not 
fully just push a single option or you know that they that they might not want to put themselves in that position where the client can come back and say well you were the one that recommended it to me and you know i'm not overly happy with the service i've got so i suppose with where we've gone as a business we've looked at the fact that we do operate you know often panels of of, of options so with that we can provide choice and we've really moved our business to setting up sort of technology enhancements that can help agents firstly get service the services in front of you know as many of their potential customers potential buyers potential sellers as possible um but also just you know take the you know the way they can put it in front of a customer and give them a bit of empowerment and choice so we've got qr codes now that sit behind our services so we provide marketing to agents hand out flyers um websites things like that where a customer can scan a qr code and ultimately self refer for, for the services that we offer so these are set up for surveys removals mortgages conveyancing and the other ones are, are coming soon um and then also customer facing links that are tagged to their account so we're seeing more agents add these to email footers again add them to additional services on websites uh, send them out within hub or crm triggers to get to clients at the right time so they've had an offer accepted send a link out to the client to say are you interested in getting a survey client can click on the link complete their own details and, and self-refer um so we're finding agents like that option of you know almost having a consistency in terms of offering the services but not being the ones that are saying you know having to have that real hard sell that you know you must go down this route um so you know with our removal service we give uh, customers the choice of four getting quotes from four firms with with mortgages they're able to set uh, to, to set a multi-appointment option so they can choose to speak to one two three or four advisors and i think really if customers are choice or consumers are choice inclined they're going to be shopping around anyway so if you offer them a solution they're still going to go down you know and speak to their friends or, or go with another recommendation just to compare it sometimes so you know by agents being able to adopt that choice option with what we offer, whichever route that consumer goes down, they're going to get credit for it. Um, and the consumer will feel like they've had a bit of control over that decision. So I, I think that's sort of, I suppose, us trying to fit in with a lot of the feedback and, and the sea change we're seeing from, from a number of agents in the UK at the moment. It, it makes a lot of sense that you've got to have that uh, supplementary income stream like there right particularly at the moment where <clears throat> fees are probably not for the vast majority of agents where they should be um you know there are outliers on both sides those that pay that they charge so little it, it's you wonder how they stay in business and then there are ones that charge a lot of money and have quite comfortable lives where they don't need to sell a huge volume of stock to make more than a comfortable living right so there's this thought that I need to make sure that I'm making uh, a quid wherever I can. I think that's where this mentality of you've got to use our broker and you've got to do that comes in. It's a bit like when we all figured out what the teams really wanted. Nobody really wants to work in the office full-time. No one ever really wanted to work at home full-time. What people crave is flexibility and choice. Um, and so if you can offer them that and you can have a panel, whether it's through GoTo or any way that you're going to be doing that, you're going to give everybody what they want right, which is choice and ideally good, reliable, like partners in that process as well. I used to say to people all the time, your solicitor is the most important person 
in this entire process. That's why these are names that I would recommend. You know, they asked, did you get paid if, if one of them uses you? I was like, yeah, absolutely. It's 50 bucks cash. I'll spend it at the bar on Friday night. <laughs> it's not a great deal of money, but it's great for me. <laughs> but it was never, okay. you have to use this. And it was never shoving anything down in their throats. And I think that's where that desperation of, I'm not making enough money from doing my core job. So I have to do it this way. Otherwise, I don't make ends meet. So we've got to move aid. That, that's the real problem to solve is how do, we, how do we increase agents' fees so they move away from that desperation of corralling people into one thing or another. But the Band-Aid, if, if that, I really hope that doesn't like sound insensitive or anything like that, is, is start with choice and move on from there. I think, I think it's, it's, it's combining choice with the fact that the, the staff are aware of the services and they can talk proactively about it still but it probably takes a little bit of pressure off to say you know rather than go and sit in that office and you must speak to my mortgage advisor before you leave mm. it's here's here's a link to a panel of mortgage advisors that we recommend you can filter by fees languages location you know go and find out what's important to you and then you can select who you want to speak to and if you need any help i'm here to support that so I think it's that kind of conversation which people probably, I'd say most people probably feel more comfortable with, but, you know, I think that with, with the market and the way people are talking about, you know, less stuff coming to market, we've seen uh, the conversation change from agents wanting to get more revenue per sale or more revenue per instruction to more revenue per applicant, more revenue per sort of market appraisal. And it's, you know, it's sort of really, how do you maximise what you what what you can get as a business from a wider pool of people rather than just dealing with that transactional okay something's happening now and we can offer to both sides but forget about everyone that came before agreed right i said to you before we hit record that i was going to ask you this question uh so mark and i have been focusing on um the changing market over the last few weeks um, and we've had a few people give their sort of uh advice on how you handle it better so i want you to put your estate agent hat on just for a moment um, and, and, and think about, you know, the times they are changing, right? What is the most important thing in a, in a changing market? And we, we talk about it. It's not nuts. It's just normal now. It's still a really good market. It's just not as crazy as it has been. What is, what in your opinion is the most important thing between now and say the start of summer, which is only a few weeks away, really, that an agent can be doing to make sure that the best months are ahead of them this year rather than buying them? Great question. You did give me a heads up on that. and uh, <laughs> You said, I've got to ask you that. Because <laughs> you went, you're like, I'll smash that out of the park. I'll, you're looking, be, you're looking, you're looking now like, oh, oh, my answer doesn't be, fit I'll that be, question. I'll be very honest. I mean, I'll, I'll, the, the part of the answer I had was the fact that agents should look at putting things in place that can uh, allow them to increase revenue per applicant per market <laughs> so i've gone early i went early uh, in terms of the previous uh, question i answered that but i mean i mean ultimately i've sort of been very fortunate to to sort of uh, launch, launch some of our services with some really strong independent businesses over the last few weeks so you know a 13 branch market leading independent in the midlands area a 10 branch independent market leading and independent in in sort of surrey so had different feedback regionally of what's happening in the market and you know the, the theme is the same and mark i'm sure you you might back it up the fact that you know there, there, there's less coming to market there is still generally a high level of buyer demand so if stuff does come to the market there's interest 
So we know that generally that's a pretty good rule of thumb across the country that that's happening to people. And I think, you know, I'll lend, I'll lend it back to how I started it really. And it's understanding people, their needs, their motivations. And rather than just worry or panic or think, you know, what, what can we be doing? It would be, you know, having conversation, having more time with people that you do get called out to see, um, having more time contacting people that were on the fence about decision before or people that, you know, are in your database that you can pick up the phone to and just have some quality conversations about, okay, you know, you know, first of all, how are they, you know, ultimately, if you are in a market appraisal, understanding the reasons behind their move, you know, what do they, why do they want to move? What's important to them? Why do they want that price? You know, and ultimately standing out from the crowd when you do get called out to things. So I think it's probably people looking at their processes. Maybe, you know, if you're a business owner, allowing people a bit more time to spend in the living room. Um, and also just maybe working on some key open questions that people can start using within those conversations. You know, I, I say it with my team, if they have a meeting with an estate agent, one of the first questions I ask them is, what did you find out about so-and-so that I wouldn't be able to find out on Google or their website? You know, I want them to tell me something about, is there, you know, have, have they got kids? Who do they support? What hobbies do they have? You know, it's really that, that, that for me is as important as, as anything else, because that tells me that they've found out a little bit about that person and they've got something they can go back and lean on in future conversations. So I just think it would be a bit more of, considering the quantity is not there necessarily. It's all about quality. I love that. Uh, what did you find out about them that I couldn't just Google? I, I've written that down <laughs> to talk to my team about that today because I think it's really important that you show people you give a shit when you speak to them. Everyone's trying okay. to sell people everything. There's good stuff. There's bad stuff. There's stuff that looks like other things. It, it, it is what it is. That is the reality of life, right? Um but if you're selling Pepsi or you're selling Coke and Coke comes along and says to you, tell me about yourself, Alex, right? Just why do you look so unfazed after you run 10K? You're going to go, that's a good question. <laughs> and if they come back and tell their manager, well, this is why, it makes a hell of a lot of sense. I, I think you're exactly right. Give them more time to people, understand their needs and motivations and then service them. Give them what okay. they ask for. If they ask you to call them in three months, don't call them in two 100%. weeks. You're just going to piss 100%. them off. I think, you know, ultimately understanding the motivations of a potential vendor, you know, it, 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 it's incredibly important to what happens next. So, the, you know, the first five minutes of that interaction are incredibly important to, you know, don't go into your pitch, find out about them, find out as much as you can within that first five minutes. And then the last two minutes of a meeting are equally important because it's how do you close it off and how do you set out the expectations and next steps? Um, so, really just having a look at processes and working out, you know, as a, as a business owner, are your team motivated to be able to want to go and action those things when you're not able to watch them? Are they working integ with integrity because they're motivated? Mm. Um, and, you know, ultimately, if people go out and just do the same thing day after day and just pitch their concept and talk about people, they're not going to get any better. You're not going to get any more out of, you know, out of them. And, you know, it, I'll link it back to that sort of psychology and human behavior. I've done a lot of research this week on neuroplasticity. Um, and that's essentially rewiring your brain to sort of, I suppose, 
get a bit more get a bit you know do things different get a bit more out of your performance you know generally people get you know their 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 neural pathways get wired they do the same thing over and over again and they just float through life whereas if you want to achieve more if you want to continually win and get better you need to do different things you need to step out of your comfort zones and you need to then rewire the brain to be able to do things differently and perform better so i think i think you know people should really just spend a bit more time with their staff as well to understand what's going to motivate them to go out and deliver mm. in each market appraisal and each customer interaction yeah i love that and, and a really fitting way i think to sort of wrap this up which is bringing the whole conversation full circle of of going back to understanding the, the needs of those that you serve whether it's your team your clients your suppliers right and and comes down to as you say you've got a fascination with human psychology and, and behavior that's what we do every day right as long as you're talking to somebody you should try and understand them a little bit better for their benefit and yours so from everybody listening alex second time around i think it was i think it was it was like the godfather part two probably better than the original <laughs> so, uh for, yeah from mark and i and everybody listening mate thank you so much for for giving us your time early in the morning and we'll see you again for round three in 12 months time Love it. Pleasure, guys. Great to see you both. A massive thank you once again to Alex Willis from GoTo Group for joining us today. Um, some loads of really good stuff in there. Um, I'm going to actually put in a link to uh, the Just Giving page if people want to get involved in the show notes and also a link to the WhatsApp group um, if we can make that work. So people can also join the WhatsApp group if they want to get involved in the 100 miles from May and just you know get part of that accountability, that positivity that we, that we talked about. Alex spoke very um much about positivity but one of the main things I, I took away from that is an individualized approach you talked about it in world-class agency creating that environment that brings out the best in yourself and others and you went through to talk about you know um what motivates people how you can look at the positives and maybe some of the negatives of of, of leadership those challenges when people are performing and when they're not and and addressing it very early i wrote down i don't know if he, he said it but i really took from that that there's a very individualized approach that he applies to leadership but then it also came through in a very individualized approach to what he thinks agents should be doing over the next few months to, you know, to get to win the business when, or to win the business over, over other agents. And that might mean spending more time really understanding the clients. And I think actually, if you can harness that individualized approach, whether that's internally with your team or externally with clients, then that's going to put you in really good state and you know, mean that you are going to have a phenomenal year, no matter what the market is. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's showing leadership at every stage of your client's journey, but also your team's journey as well. And there really is, shouldn't be, there may be, but there, there ought not to be too much of a difference between the way you interact with the team and the way you interact with your clients, right? Like I, I, I think I've said this line so many times that it's almost becoming cliche, but I, I say to everybody new who joins our business, like my job's to work for you. Mm. right i need to make their life easy you know at the way alex described is much better than that of i'm here to create an environment for you to thrive yeah now that's what you say to your, your team members your colleagues what you say to your clients is i'm here to create an environment where you get the most money in your pocket yeah that's a hugely powerful statement i've never actually said it that way before and i really like the way of, i'm here to create an environment because that's what it is right you, you want to create this bubble around a property where there's activity excitement you know positivity we're talking with alex as well 
um, but also a sense of competition. And in a really high-performing team, there's a sense of competition as well, right? When people are competing for squad places and everything like that. So, yeah, I think it, it was it was a really nice way of of going full circle, as we sort of spoke about in that in that podcast, of making sure that you know within a business you're giving everybody a chance to perform at their best level. With for your clients, you're giving them every chance for the property to perform at its best level, for the campaign to do its job, for your experience to shine through, and you know creating that environment for them to thrive. Yeah, and you, I saw you writing it down, actually. I was chuckling to myself when Alex said it because I knew that you'd, you'd seen a little bit of gold there. And he said, you know, what did you find out about them that no one else would know that we couldn't find out just from, from Google? And I wrote it down, just applied it to agency, which I'm going to be talking with my team about in half an hour. What did you find out about them that no other agent will know? No other yeah. questions did you ask that no other agent asks? And, you know, I think uh, that's really powerful. Yeah, I do. I do, because it then really challenges the thinking if they don't have something, then next time they will have something with some of those yeah, killer I, questions. The, the more you take the time, and this is Alex's point, right? Take the time, really take the time to understand people so that you understand exactly what they need and whether or not you can deliver it. Because that's the crucial thing, right? The, the agents that walk in there and end up cutting their fees are delivering the same approach to everybody. The ones in there that walk in there and command a really high fee are the ones that sit down and say, right, Mark, Rachel, tell me about the morals mm. yeah. and just shut up and listen, right? And you get your cues and you might have want to get, you might have had your plan of going A, B, C, D, and yet it's A1, A2, A3, A4, A5, A6, A7, B, B1, B2, B3, yeah. C, and follow up after follow up, after follow up, you know, lines of depth in the relationship equals more clients, high fees, more deals, more money, and you're achieving your goals that you set out and reverse engineered like Alex spoke about. Yeah, and as you said, that doesn't come from just sitting down and pitching and giving all that commission breath um, mm. sort of thing. So, so yeah, no, it was really good. Loads, loads of key takeaways there. We'll put all the stuff about Miles for May um, in there, but a massive, you know, massive kudos to Alex for organising that because it is you know, really, really very positive. And also, you know, I've got to give him some credit. I never thought that we'd be hosting a podcast where we talked about neuroplasticity. Plasticity, see, I can't even say it. Um, it was always going to take someone a bit more intelligent than us to come and bring up a topic like that. Um, but anyway, as you know, we do this because we love our industry. We want to see it get better. Um, we always talk about neuroplasticity and stuff like that on this podcast. So if you do like what you hear, please share it out on social media. Reach out um, to one of us or to Alex and let us know what you have enjoyed. I'm Mark Worrell. He's Sam Hunter. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you again next week.